0: Welcome to Through the Bible. If you've been on the Bible bus for long, then you know that our five-year journey through the whole Word of God travels through high points and flatlands. And we've studied the peaks of Scripture and leaned heavily on our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, to understand some of the more obscure places where we've never traveled before. Well, today you're in for a real treat because we're studying what Dr. McGee called one of the Bible's most important and crucial chapters. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it's on everyone's top 10 list, he said. Why is this chapter of the Bible so important? Because it's all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't often do this, but let me read a quote from Dr. McGee from some of his teaching in 1 Corinthians. He's talking about Jesus' resurrection. Here's what he says. The glory of the Christian faith is that it never views life as ending with death. This life is not all there is. The Christian faith always looks beyond the sunset to the sunrise. It looks out yonder into eternity, and what a hope it offers. This fact gives meaning and purpose to life. I expect to live an eternity I am not in a hurry to get there, and I want to stay in this life as long as I can, because I think this is the place of service. But I have a sure destination, and that is with the Lord. Well, isn't that great? That's what's ahead for us in our study, so let's pray. Father, thank you for this blessed hope of the resurrection. Would you give us ears to hear the treasure in this passage? Open the eyes of those who don't yet know you, Lord, and give us all faith to follow you. In Jesus' beautiful name and for his sake, amen. Now here's Dr. J. Vernon McGee with today's study in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 on Through the Bible.
1: Now, let me come to our study again today. And this chapter is so remarkable. We've seen part of the gospel here. Paul says, I make known unto you emphatically the good news that Christ died. He was buried. He didn't vanish or disappear. The body was placed in a tomb. Now, what else could be raised from the dead? He hath been raised. He rose again. And Jesus lives today. Now, these are the historical facts. And the gospel's not theories, not ideas, not a religion. The resurrection is part of the gospel. And this is what Paul preached. Now, again, this was the experience of the Corinthians. Now, the gospel is objective, experience is subjective. He said, Ye received it. Now, what does it mean to receive Christ? Well, John says in John 1, 11, 12, He came unto his own, his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become the sons of God, even to those that don't do any more nor less than just simply believe in his name. What does it mean to receive Christ? He says here they've received it." It means to believe on his name. Now, he says, To them here, that wherein ye stand, that's their present state. Where do you stand today? Standing today in a living faith and a living Savior. And now he says to them, you're saved. Now, the gospel does not save in the sense that it's just a head knowledge and it's sort of, you know, nodding to these facts. It's not the efficient and final cause. Christ saves Somebody says it's faith in Christ. Absolutely. But it's through the gospel, by means of these facts, and you accept them. Then you've received Christ, and you're saved. As Spurgeon put it, it's not thy joy in Christ that saves thee. It's not thy hope in Christ that saves thee. It's Christ. And it's not even thy faith in Christ, though that be the instrument. It is Christ's blood and merit that saves and we're saved now he says this is what we preached unto you you received it you stand in it and you're saved but he says unless you believed in vain and that means you believed without a cause your faith does not rest upon the facts there's no effect it's not genuine conversion you see this idea that faith has some merit in it it doesn't is who you believe that's important and we have here therefore the fact that they have trusted a Savior who died, was buried, and rose again. Now, he says there's some witnesses to that. And also, there is the fulfillment of Scripture. He did it according to the Scripture. And my, how wonderful that was. You can go through the Scripture again and again. That was Enoch. He walked with God. He didn't die. God took him. What a hope. One of these days, I'm going to be walking. That is, if the Lord will come in my lifetime, I don't know that he will. But if he does, I'll be walking somewhere. (laughs) And then I'll take a step on this earth, and the next step I take will be in his presence. What a thrill. You tell me that doesn't give purpose and direction to life? And there's so many passages that teach the resurrection of Christ in the Old Testament. Psalm 16, Isaiah 25. May I say there was Psalm 22 that we looked at and Isaiah 53. They all teach it. And the Mosaic system, a sacrificial system, the death of the animal and the blood and the great day of atonement with the two goats. One was delivered for our fences, the other raised for our justification. And in the ark, there was Aaron's rod that budded. And then we have the book of Jonah that teaches resurrection. And the Old Testament closes, he's going to send Elijah before that great day. Then there were these witnesses, Cephas, the twelve, the five hundred, James, all the apostles, then Paul. Paul says he's born out of due season. That is not a late birth, he's an abortion. He's a premature birth. He's a picture of that remnant that's going to be saved after the church is removed. Now Paul says, so we preached and so you believe." And he says here, after giving a word concerning himself, he says, I'm the least of the apostles. I don't think so. And somebody says, you believe the Bible, don't you? Yes, but Paul's very modest here. I'm the least of the apostles. And when Paul said that, that was an honest statement. And the inspiration guarantees that that's a statement came from his heart. But you see, my heart says, Paul, you are great. Let him not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. He considered himself the chief of sinners. But he says, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, wasn't an empty thing. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Paul apparently was the hardest worker of any of the apostles. But... Very candidly, he said it was the grace of God that enabled him to do it. Verse 11, therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so ye believe. Now, this is the gospel. And today, I don't want to be ugly, but I'm weary today. Oh, I have had it up to here. And I'm pulling my hand right above my nose, right in my eyes. I've had it up to here. I'm tired of men talking about being Christians. And denying the facts of the gospel. You are something else. You're not a Christian. You deny the death, burial, resurrection of Christ. You have a perfect right to deny them. You have no right to call yourself a Christian. And that's not my statement. That's what Paul is trying to tell us here. Now, will you notice? So we preach, and so ye believe. Now he says, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, I'll say some among you that there's no resurrection of the dead. Now some of these people, you see, with a background of Stoicism, Epicurean philosophy and Platonism, these people, they were denying the resurrection. It wasn't specifically the resurrection of Christ. They were denying the resurrection. Now Paul has a series of ifs. Paul face the fact. Now, don't hide your head like an ostrich under the sand. Today, Christian friends say, well, now, we can't be sure about this. Therefore, let's not say too much about it. Let's walk as if we're walking on eggshells. My friend, I'm on a foundation. That foundation is the rock. That rock is Christ Jesus. He came back from the dead. Now, do you want to face up to it? If Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, I'll say some of you that they there's no resurrection of the dead. Now, let's face it. There's no resurrection of the dead. Granted that that's true, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? They both are linked together. And it's on the basis of the resurrection of Christ, Paul's going to say here he's the first fruits. That means we're going to have a Pentecost. And Pentecost will be later. That'll be, my friend, when he comes. The church, it began on a Pentecost, and when it leaves this earth, it's Pentecost again. He's the first fruits, and afterward, those that of Christ is coming. Now, he says, verse 14, And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Now, I do not know what church you belong to, and you may belong to a liberal church, and many of them deny that Christ is raised from the dead. Now, if Christ is not risen, that means bodily, Our preaching is vain, and your faith is also vain. My friend, you just, well, drop your church memberships, no good, if Christ be not raised from the dead. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God. That means that these men were liars. Because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. Now, if there's no resurrection, Christ is not raised, and if Christ be not raised... Then these men were false witnesses. And here is something for you to think over. Have you ever noticed that men do not die for a lie? That is, they they've died for a lie, but they thought it was the truth. Actually, millions of men died for Hitler. They believed in him. May I say to you that there have been millions that died for Jesus Christ. And men don't die for what they know is a lie. These men said... They saw him. And they died for that. Were they right or were they wrong? <laughs> I'll let you decide that. Men do not die for what they know is a lie. Now, will you listen? Verse 16 For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, you're yet in your sin. You're a lost sinner, hell doomed sinner. Then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. Then all these millions of people of the past, they perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable. May I say to you that I think Christianity is here and now a religion. Paul makes that clear in the fifth of Romans. But it's also a hereafter religion. And if Christ be not raised, may I say to you, we're about the most miserable people there are in this world today. And we're not. <laughs> we're rejoicing. But thank God that ends the if. Will you face it? Go through. Be logical in your ifing about this matter. And the only alternative is the resurrection of Christ. That's the only logical position you could take. The Christ is raised from the dead. These are the things you have to say if you say Christ is not raised from the dead. So... I want to join Paul in verse 20 and say, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Christ is the firstfruits. Now that feast of firstfruits was fulfilled in the resurrection of Christ. And then Pentecost came along 50 days later. Now Christ is back from the dead in a glorified body and he's the only one up to this morning. Now in view of that, we're waiting for Pentecost. A brother said to me some time ago, and he's a Pentecostal brother, and he's a friend of mine. He said, you know, Brother McGee, I'm expecting a Pentecost. I really shocked him. I said, I'm looking for Pentecost too. Oh, he said, you don't mean it. Oh, I said, I don't mean it like you mean it. You think it, you're going to repeat it down here. You won't repeat it down here. But when he comes... That's going to be Pentecost. I tell you, friends, that's when He takes His church out of this world. He's the first fruits. Afterward, those that are Christ that is coming. How wonderful it is! Christ is risen from the dead, and He's the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, that's Adam. By man came also the resurrection of the dead. In Adam all die. That's the proof you're in the family of Adam, is you're going to die if the Lord tarries. Even so in Christ shall all be made alive. That is, all that are in Christ will be made alive. But every man in his own order. Now, there's not a general resurrection day. The interesting thing is that the reformers recovered a great deal of Bible truth. They didn't recover it all. And I think we are living in a day when we're seeing a great many things develop, and one of them is eschatology, the doctrine of last things, that is prophecy. But in times when great truths are being developed, there's a lot of heresy and a lot of nutty things being said. There were a lot of things being said about the person of Christ, the inspiration of scriptures in those early days. That's not true. There's a lot of false teaching about prophecy. And again, I seem to have a lot of hang-ups. May I say I have another one? And that is, I do not like this idea today of teaching Revelation on radio or any other place, and you haven't taught any other book. There are 65 books that come before Revelation. Now, we're going to teach it in this five-year program, but we will have covered 65 books. Then we're going to take up the 66. Now, prophecy is important, but it's not everything. And it is being developed in these days, and it needs to be developed very carefully, by the way. Now, will you notice as he moves on down into this particular section here? He says, but every man in his own order, Christ the first fruit, afterward they that are Christ that is coming. Coming for what? For his church, my friend. Now then cometh the end. End of what? End of the age. And how will the age end? Well, there'll come a great tribulation. Then there is going to be a millennial kingdom here on the earth. Satan will be released again, and then he'll come to this earth and establish his kingdom forever, the eternal kingdom. Actually, the eternal kingdom is a projection, in a way, of the millennial kingdom, only the millennial kingdom is a time of trial. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God. When is that? That's the end of the millennial kingdom. Even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. That means the millennial reign of Christ. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. That'll be Satan. Then the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And I'll be glad when we get rid of that fellow. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it's manifest that he's accepted, which did put all things under him, that Christ is not subject to God. But wait a minute. What does the next verse say? When all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. What does that mean? It means simply this that when he completes the millennial reign here upon this earth, and then when he established the eternal reign, I think he's going to turn it over to David down here and the saints of the church. And we may rule by proxy, but we may not. During the eternal reign, I think it'll be turned over to David. And then he returns back to his place in the Godhead, where he was at the beginning, that God might be all in all. Now, then we're told here... Else what shall they do or accomplish, which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? Now, what have we said before that the word baptism means? It means identification. And he's not talking about water baptism at all. One baptism is the baptism of the Holy Spirit that we know anything about. But Paul now is using the word baptize in an altogether different way. Notice what he says. Else what shall they accomplish, which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then identified for the dead? And now listen to him. Why stand we in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord, I die daily. Now, Paul says that if Christ be not raised from the dead, and now that he's raised from the dead, we were identified with him he says in the fifth of romans baptized into his death we've been raised now in newness of life and we're baptized into a living christ today we know him no longer after the flesh we're joined to a living christ now if that's not true and we're not baptized to him that is identified with him then we're pretty foolish to make the sacrifices we've made down here and stand in jeopardy every hour, Paul says. Why, he says, I die daily. I am in danger of death constantly for Christ's sake. Now, he says, if after the manner of man I fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantageth it me if the dead rise not? That is, why should I be put in a lion's cage if Christ didn't rise from the dead? I'm identified, I'm baptized into his death. Identified as a dead man because I'm joined to a living Christ. That's what he's talking about here. And let's don't bring it down to some little simple service that would be practically meaningless. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Now, he says, the reason I'm identified as a dead man is because of that. Now, if Christ be not risen, then I ought to adopt the Hedonistic philosophy of the Epicureans and say, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. Now he says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. You get the wrong information, you're going to act wrong. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. But some man will say... How are the dead raised up? That is, what is the resurrection? And with what body do they come? Thou foolish one. The question now is how? Thou foolish one, that which thou sowest is not quickened except to die. Now the what? And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be but by a grain it may chance a wheat or some other grain. But God giveth it a body as it has pleased him. And to every seed his own. You sow seed in the ground, that little seed dies. But lo and behold, up here at the top, there's little seeds just like it. In fact, it's back up there. Only it's multiplied itself. Now, the body is sown. It'll be raised like that in newness of life. Now, he says, all flesh it's not the same flesh. There's one kind of flesh of man, another flesh of beasts, fishes, another birds. There are also celestial bodies. bodies is terrestrial. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There's one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, another glory of the stars. How did Paul know that all of these were different? How did he know that the sun was one thing the moon was something else and that they were in our solar system and stars were out yonder and they were something altogether different one star different from another star in glory and believe me they're finding that out today now so also is the resurrection of the dead notice what he says it's sown in corruption it's raised in incorruption it's sown a corruptible body it'll be raised a body that's in incorruption it's sown in dishonor It's raised in glory, it's sown in weakness, it's raised in power, it's sown a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. Now, there are two words here that are very important. One is the word body, and the other is spiritual. Now, the kind of body we have today is a natural body. But that which is to be raised is a spiritual body, But don't put the emphasis on spiritual. It's going to be a body. That's important. But a different kind of a body in the sense that it'll not be this feeble body, this corruptible body, this body sown in weakness, this weak body I have. But it'll be raised in power and glory and in corruption. Now, we're going to begin right there next time. So until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved.
0: Well, that's a great promise because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We will someday have a new body that is incorruptible, and that is everlasting. It's unbreakable. No more cancer, no more disabilities, no more aging, no more death. You know, and even better... Our resurrected body will no longer be subject to sin and its sinister effects upon our lives. In essence, sin will have lost its grip on us, finally. What an amazing word of hope today to everyone, and I mean everyone who struggles. You know, God gives us His word in 1 Corinthians, promising that there will be a day when we'll live in victory. As 1 Corinthians 15 finishes in verse 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a good word for today? The chapter closes with a challenge, and then let's close with it too. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. If you'd like to listen to this study again or review the same subject matter from our study of Romans 6, 7, and 8, go to ttb.org forward slash study and listen again or download it for free. And to invite a friend to hop aboard with you, call 1-800-65-BIBLE and request a pack of our free Listen Bible bus passes. They're roughly the size of a business card, and each one's got a QR code and our website address to help them easily find our current study. Request yours today and we'll mail them out to you. Again, that's one 800 bible or email us at biblebus at ttb.org and let us know that you want to share through the Bible with your friends. This wonderful study of the resurrection will be our theme again next time as we continue to make our way through the entire Word of God. I'm Steve Schwetz and I'll save you a seat on the Bible Bus next time. We're grateful for the faithful and generous support of Through the Bible's partners whom God uses to take the whole word to the whole world.